0: Shane Beamer has the makings to be one of the next big voices in the college football landscape, and that is a good thing for South Carolina's football program. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. When it comes to the biggest voices in the sport of college football today, one of the first people that people are going to throw out there is Nick Saban. It's for obvious reasons. Nick Saban has been around the sport for a very long time. is someone that's been very successful. And because of both of those factors, there's a lot of people that really take what he says seriously when it comes to the most pertinent issues of the sport today. Kirby Smart at Georgia is beginning to become another one of those coaches because of what he's done in previous years. And Shane Beamer, with his charisma, his willingness to speak up, his reputation in the coaching fraternity, and what he's done at South Carolina, could be on the fast track to become one of the biggest voices in all college football himself in the next few years. And that would be a good thing for South Carolina's football program. Why would that be the case? Well, it's honestly pretty obvious here. It's because if Shane Beamer becomes one of the biggest voices in the entire sport, that means that he's going to have a bigger spotlight put on him, which subsequently means that there's going to be a bigger spotlight put on South Carolina's football program in, more than likely, a very positive manner. And the broad reach from that spotlight could lead to a lot more kids wanting to come to Columbia or parents of kids who might see Coach Beamer on television or read an article about him or see a clip somewhere and they might sit there and say, you know, this guy's just a little bit different from all the other coaches that we've interacted with and that we've talked to up to this point in the recruiting process. I think that we would rather have you go play for him at South Carolina. And so Shane Beamer potentially becoming a bigger voice in this sport would do nothing but benefit South Carolina's football team. Now, how could Shane Bieber become a bigger voice in college football? Well, there's a few different factors that come into play here. The first one that I'm going to point to is his charisma and his overall personality. Because Shane Beamer is not the prototypical football coach in terms of how he works with the media and the overall vibes that he gives when he is interacting with other people. Most coaches are cookie cutter coaches. They're coaches that just want to talk ball. They want to just basically study film and scout teams and do what they have to do to get the best talent in their program. They don't want to have to bother speaking to the media. Shane Beamer does not treat the media like that. He embraces doing different guest spots on both local and national media outlets. For example, OutKick, Fox News, and the Pat McAfee Show. Most coaches treat the media like they're blown espionage agents that are trying to get state secrets from them on what else is going on in the building. Shane Beamer, again, he does not do that. And yes, he he can have his moments when he's trying to get a certain point across regarding a certain headline or narrative that's being put out by maybe one media member or multiple media members. But besides that, Shane Beamer comes off as someone that is very inviting and very friendly in a social setting, which makes media members want to reach out to him far more often. And this is something that every single coach should desire. Another reason why Shane Beamer could become a bigger voice in the sport within the next couple years is his obvious willingness to speak out on certain issues. Now, it's not like that Shane Beamer unprompted is using every single press conference to discuss some sort of mining issue he's got with the sport of football or with the college game right now. But he is also someone that's proven up to this point he's not afraid to make his opinion known on certain things. He is one of the few coaches in the sport who has publicly questioned why there's no preseason scrimmage that teams can use to face off against other competition. He's made clear statements about his frustrations regarding the current work calendar for head football coaches and their staffs in the month of December. And recently, at a local welcome home tour stop in Aiken, South Carolina, he talks about his frustrations with the new rule regarding official visits, meaning that, you know, prospects could take as many official visits as they want to. And you look at all of these issues and they all have to deal with coaches. And the fact that all of these rules seem to sort of go against coaches to a certain degree. And that's something where, If Shane Beamer is talking about these issues whenever they are brought up, other coaches are going to pick up on this and they're going to notice this. And that leads me to my next point. Shane Beamer has got a very solid reputation in the coaching industry. Obviously, it does help him that his last name happens to be... Beamer, obviously being the son of College Football Hall of Fame coach Frank Beamer. Frank Beamer was also somebody that was widely respected by his peers. But Shane Beamer has done a lot more than just use his name to maybe get his foot in the door. If anything, he's done the opposite. He showed for years that he was somebody that did not want things to get handed to him, that he wanted to go and earn his stripes in this profession, working for guys like George O'Leary, Philip Fulmer, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley, and other people coaches as well including his father and Frank Beamer and then you look at the way he's handled his current coaching staff so far at South Carolina I've touched on this before so I'll just talk about this briefly but with how he has treated his assistants with the environment that he has instilled into the building here There's a lot of coaches out there that, again, take notice of what all he's doing, and it's a mental note that they put away in their own file cabinets where if one day maybe they are looking for a new job, then South Carolina, if they've got an opening, is a spot where they might want to go to. And the last reason why Shane Beamer could be on the fast track to becoming a bigger voice in college football is the on-field progress at South Carolina. There is no coincidence when we talk about the biggest voices in the sport and typically we talk about guys like again nick saban at alabama now kirby smart at georgia and even to a certain extent dabba sweeney admittedly at clemson what is the common denominator there all those guys have won national championships all those guys have been you know, the top coach of the sport at one particular point in time in their careers. Now, that's not to say that Shane Beamer has to win national championships to automatically have his voice or opinion respected amongst the sport, but obviously it gives you a little bit more validation. It gives a little bit more umph behind what it is you put out there from a rhetoric standpoint. And for South Carolina right now, Shane Beamer's done a really good job of improving things here In Columbia, again, the team was a two-win program in 2020. Shane Beamer has taken them from that to being a seven-win and eight-win team in both his first two years. Three wins over top 25 teams in the regular season. And two bowl game appearances, including one bowl game victory over the legendary Mac Brown at North Carolina. So you combine everything that I just mentioned. With what Schaefer has going for him at this current moment in time, it is going to make him a bigger voice in this sport, especially if he continues to progress here in Columbia. And subsequently, that will put a bigger spotlight on South Carolina football in a positive way, and in a way that really and truthfully, they haven't seen probably besides some of the glory years that Steve Spurrier had here at South Carolina. And that broad reach, again, could really make South Carolina one of the most attractive destinations in all of college football. And speaking of recruiting, there could be a potential commitment coming down the pipe very soon based on sort of what Dante Reno has done on Twitter, but also more specifically what linebacker commit Wendell Gregory said in an interview with my boss over on Gamecocks Digest in Brooks, Austin, just the other day. And I've got that clip for y'all, and we're going to dive into that in more detail in just a couple of moments, but before we touch on that, I do want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, I know that for some of you, you might not like the idea of eating healthy, because For a lot of us, you know, when you think about eating healthy, you think that, you know, you basically got to eat vegetables all the time. You've got to eat fruits. You can't really enjoy any sort of different types of food. In terms of food tasting good, but also being good for you, there's no better protein bar out there than Built Bar. Built Bar has got a variety of different flavors to choose from. I've talked about this before. Banana cream pie, coconut chunk puffs, cookie dough chunk puffs. Peanut Butter Caramel, they got anything you could possibly want in a protein bar. They're 130 calories, include 17 grams of protein, and only have 4 grams of sugar. And you can get these bars at Built.com right now, or you can find them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. At Walmart, if you go to the pharmacy section, you can get yourself a 4-bar box. At Sam's Club, you can buy yourself a 13-bar box. I promise you, you will thank me later, because Built Bar is where tasty is the new healthy? Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And before we continue the show, real quickly, I want to thank all of you everydayers once again for making Locked On Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. If you want to become an everydayer, then feel free to give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Or subscribe and click the bell on YouTube so you don't miss out on future alerts and notifications on future shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Alright, let's get into this real interesting soundbite that I got from an interview that my boss, Brooks Austin, did From Fan Nation with Gamecock linebacker commit Wendell Gregory. Brooks Austin did this interview with Wendell just the other day and they talked about a couple of different things, but eventually they got to recruiting. And obviously, it's been quite unique what this 2024 class has been doing in regards to trying to go after other targets and help bring these other guys along in the recruiting class. And Brooks decided to bring this up to Wendell Gregory to see, you know, what he might have cooking up his sleeve in this aspect, and this is what Wendell had to say. What, what are you most looking forward to, I guess, in terms of finishing out the South Carolina class? You obviously, you're a vocal leader for them already. Who are you focused on, maybe trying to bring with you to South Carolina? Uh, it's it's a, lot, a lot of guys. I mean, we got a uh, running back coming in soon. I'm not going to say too much, but it's, 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 we got about 10, 11 dudes coming out of 24th class. It's going to be amazing, amazing. All right, so I know that Wendell admittedly talked a little bit fast there. So, for those of you who might not have been able to catch everything that he just said, essentially, Wendell said that the Gamecocks could have a running back joining the class very soon. And he wasn't going to speak any further, of course, on that out of respect to them. And we'll dive into that a little bit more in just a moment. The latter part of his quote, where he talked about 11 to 12 guys, you know, I don't know if he actually meant that he thinks that 11 to 12 more guys are coming. Along with this current crop of prospects in this recruiting class, not going to dive too deep into that because obviously uh, that would be a real far end of broad speculation there. But to get into what he said about a running back joining the class... South Carolina, of course, has a few different targets that they have been going after in this class in Daniel Hill, Anthony Carey, and also Peyton Lewis. Those have been sort of the three main guys that South Carolina has sort of prioritized at that position over the past few months. And while Wendell Gregory refrained from giving any potential hints in his interview with Brooks Austin, there's another game cock commit in this class that while not saying it flat out, may have hinted himself who the potential commit might be. As back on May 5th, Dante Reno posted a tweet that had four sunglass-wearing emojis and the hashtag 24EverToThe, which happens to be the hashtag that Shane Beamer uses whenever he tweets out a welcome home tweet for this current cycle. And there's a lot of speculation in the fan base out there right now that that might have actually been Dante Mino's own version of a welcome home tweet. And then the following day, Dante Reno happened to tweet about Daniel Hill, who was getting ready to compete in some state championship track and field events back in his home state of Mississippi. And he sent out the tweet, Gamecock Nation, help wish Daniel Hill good luck in the state championship today with two Gamecock emojis. So, obviously, this is trying to tie in a couple different things to sort of figure out the answer to the question of who this running back commit might be, but based on everything that I just discussed, I think that the commitment that Wendell Gregory is referring to is Daniel Hill. And the reason why, along with everything I just mentioned, that is my thought process here, is sort of what the official visit slate looks like for all of South Carolina's running back targets because right now we're about to hit the month of June we've only got about three weeks left in the month of May and Daniel Hill has yet to announce a single official visit which in my opinion tells me that Daniel Hill could be nearing the end of his entire recruitment Anthony to Carey, it doesn't seem to be the case with him exactly, because he has scheduled three different official visits outside of South Carolina. One to Michigan State, one to North Carolina, and another one to Notre Dame. Now, of course, if it was Anthony Carey, he would just simply have to pick up the phone and cancel those official visits. But I just don't think that Anthony Carey would do that this close to the month of June. And then Peyton Lewis... He apparently has a top six that he is going to announce very soon regarding his recruitment. He posted that on Twitter back on April the 30th and hasn't really said anything since, which still tells me that, you know, if he's going to announce a top six pretty soon, then why on earth would he all of a sudden backtrack and then just make a commitment altogether? So you combine everything I just said there with what Wendell Gregory said and then Dante Reno's tweets, reading the tea leaves here, It seems like that Daniel Hill is the next commitment for Safran's recruiting class at this current moment at the running back position. Again, cannot fully prove that, don't know for certain, but it is certainly interesting what Rendell Gregory said. And then looking at what Dante Reno has done on social media over the last few days, I do think that sides point to Daniel Hill being that next guy to join the 2024 class. And if so, that could help out South Carolina's recruiting efforts in the state of Mississippi. They got a linebacker target in Jamont Waller that they've tried to stay in the game for over the past several months, a guy that right now is heavily viewed as an old Miss lean. And then you got guys like Deuce Knight from the 2025 recruiting class who I talked about on yesterday's show, a guy that could be the number one quarterback target for South Carolina in the 2025 cycle. The state of Mississippi is becoming... A more predominant state in South Carolina's recruiting footprint for the next couple of years. It's going to be a state that's going to be very important in terms of certain targets that they're going after. So, landing Daniel Hill, who knows? It could start a chain reaction from the state of Mississippi. Or, it could lead to one of these other running backs, an Anthony Carey or Peyton Lewis, if they want to join South Carolina's recruiting class, to end their recruitment right here and now and go on ahead and, and take up another slot. So it'll be interesting to see how all this develops, of course, over the coming weeks, leading into a pivotal recruiting month in June. All right, now for the final portion of today's show, I want to talk about what all happened with the Anissa Moro recruitment for Don South Carolina's Women's Basketball Program. I said I was going to talk about this sometime when everything went down this past Saturday with Murrow committing to LSU, and my apologies, I just honestly never ended up getting around to it. But with all that bearing in mind, I do now want to discuss sort of my overall thoughts on this, and more so why I think South Carolina, to be quite frank, put themselves in this position where this was going to happen at the end of the day. So, South Carolina obviously lost in the Final Four back in late March, early April to Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. It was obviously a very disappointing end to what was a special season for Don Staley and South Carolina's women's basketball team. And while obviously... I'm not going to sit here and act like South Carolina is about to fall off a cliff because I already know that some people are going to try to spin this whole thing. Like, that's what I'm saying. So, just going to say right now, that's not where I'm going to go with this. But I will say, it's time to start getting worried about South Carolina's perch in the SEC here. You've got to respect what the LSU Tigers and Ken Mulkey have done this offseason. Kim Mulkey is bringing in two top seven, top eight prospects from the 2023 recruiting class to campus. Kim Mulkey has got Angel Reese coming back for this next season. She's got the SEC Freshman of the Year from this past season, Flaje Johnson, obviously coming back with now a year of experience under her belt. And now she has brought in the top two transfer portal players in this cycle in DePaul's Anissa Mora, who's going to play that four spot alongside Angel Reese and Louisville point guard Haley Van Lith. Now, Haley Van Lith was probably going to go to LSU either way. They lost Alexis Morris, of course, to the WNBA. She exhausted all of her eligibility at this point, And they need a new point guard. Haley Van Lith apparently had a very close relationship with Kim Mulkey during her high school recruitment. Apparently, Baylor was like that runner-up right behind Louisville when she was a high school prospect. And so with the relationships there, it was pretty clear, it seemed like from the beginning, that LSU was probably going to land Haley Van Lith. And so I'm not really going to dive too deeply into that recruitment being sort of a disappointment that South Carolina did not get her. But the Anissa Mora recruitment, that is a different story. Because here's what's happened. South Carolina has now left the door wide open for LSU to kick it down and take over the perch in the SEC. This happened because they lost to Iowa and did not manage to get a chance to play LSU in the national championship game. And look, LSU fans probably don't want to admit this, but I think that most of their fans that have common sense would have to agree that if South Carolina LSU faced off in the national title game, South Carolina is the one that gets the trophy at the end of the day, not LSU. Yes, South Carolina had LSU on their home court the one time they played earlier in the season, and the crowd was probably definitely got to them a lot in that game. But let's be honest, they both are very similar schematically. And in terms of South Carolina, they had the personnel to not just slow down, but effectively stop Angel Reese like they did The first time around. Alexis Morse. Their game plan this last time was basically to just sort of let her do whatever she wanted to do. That's fine. We just cannot let number 10 dominate this game. And that's what they were able to accomplish. And I think South Carolina could have repeated that formula in the national title game. Instead, they dropped the game to Iowa. And LSU, learning from South Carolina's errors in the Final Four, they beat Iowa and won the national title. So now, Kim Mulkey has got herself a national championship in just her second year at LSU, something that I think the majority of people did not expect to see happen, even LSU fans being included. Angel Reese is going to probably be the national player of the year this next year, arguably a top three player in the sport. They probably just got the best point guard in the country to join up with them and Haley Van Lith and Anissa Morrow. A prospect that both these teams were heavily interested in, South Carolina, let's make no mistake, they wanted Anissa Morrow, and she was going to visit them, but she takes one trip to LSU, and as the week continued to progress, and no news was coming out regarding her potential upcoming visit to South Carolina, the writing was on the wall. And she wound up not even visiting the program and just committing to LSU. And I know some of you are going to sit there and say, well, obviously, she went and followed the money. LSU's got good NIL programs over there. You see what they're all making? Yes, I do. Guess what? Aaliyah Boston, Zia Cook, and I'm pretty sure Brie Beale as well, were like three of the top ten players in terms of NIL valuation, according to On3Sports, this past season. So it's not like South Women's Basketball Program can't compete in terms of the NIL arena. But... You look at how all these events have unfolded. South Carolina's top standing of the SEC is now in serious jeopardy this next season. And again, please do not mistake me for what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that South Carolina's going to all of a sudden be a team that's losing double-digit amounts of games, and they're going to be scraping to be like the fourth or fifth best team in this conference, and now all hopes of ever winning maybe another national title are completely lost. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is... It is time to recognize that LSU is now on the same playing field as you. If not right now, from a roster standpoint, even better than you. Just because of who they've got in their starting lineup. You have to acknowledge that. And South Carolina had a chance to slam the door on this happening. They did. All they had to do was beat Iowa, which I'm not going to make it out like that was easy. Because clearly, it wasn't easy. And it wound up getting them at the end. And then turn around and beat LSU and win the national championship. That was what South Carolina needed to do. They didn't even make it to the national title game. And now they're not an afterthought. But they've now allowed LSU a seat at the table. And now LSU is going to be the team next season that the media is going to fawn over. From the beginning of the regular season all the way to the end. Because I can tell you all right now. The media is going to say that LSU is going to win a second straight national championship and it's going to be a foregone conclusion. And I have to admit, they deserve that. They won last year's national title and, my gosh, they basically built a super team with Anissa Moro and Haley Van Leth out of the transfer portal. So, South Carolina fans, again, I'm not saying that the run is obviously over, but what I am saying is uh, some of the fans do need to wake up here. Because South Carolina's not just going to waltz all over LSU next year. They will still beat most of their competition in the SEC pretty handedly. There will still be very few teams that actually can compete toe-to-toe with South Carolina. You can't include LSU in that category anymore. You can't. And now, the roles are reversed. You're now the team that is viewed, at least in terms of perception, for next year alone as second fiddle. And now you have to go up and you're going to be viewed as the challenger that's got to try to knock them off and keep them from possibly winning a second straight national title, which many people expected you to do this past year. That is how quickly things can change in college sports. And Don Staley and Sacramento's women's basketball program are finding that out the hard way this offseason. They're still going to be up there at the top. But LSU just made things a lot more challenging for Don Staley and this program moving forward. So with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Game Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on Shane Beamer and the potential qualities that he offers as someone who could be one of the next big voices in the sport of college football? Who do you think South Carolina's future running back commit might be? Do you think it could be Daniel Hill or do you think it's going to be Anthony Carey or Peyton Lewis? And lastly, what are your overall thoughts on what all happen with the Anisimov recruitment recruitment for South Carolina. Let me know your thoughts on all those topics. down below in the comment section. If you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC. If you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. And once again, thank y'all so much for tuning into this Wednesday edition of lockdown Gamecocks. Have a great rest of your day and I will catch y'all on the next show of the lockdown Gamecocks podcast.